grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I I need a little help. I want you to finish this phrase. I'm going to say it. I hope you know it. You don't get a second chance to make a first. All right. All right. Impressions. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Impressions are things that uh, things that go out here and they come into our minds, into our hearts, and they make an impression. When we are impressed by something, it means something to us and it affects us sort of on a, a deeper level than just sort of normal everyday things. We talk about someone making a good impression on us, right? Uh, this can be sort of on a shallow level, but it can also be on a very deep and quite profound level as well. You may think of someone in your life like that. When I think of that, I think of my mentors, I think of my family, I think of dear friends, I think of the impressions that they've made in my life. Something out there comes into our ears, into our eyes, into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives, into our identities, and an impression is made. I read a devotion this past week from uh, one of our uh, seminary's presidents. It got me thinking about this a little bit. And he talked about how we in our culture today, we take reading and writing for granted. And he talked about how in the early church, most people could not read or write. In fact, probably only 10% of the people in Jesus' day were literate, were literate. And so he proposed the question, we could ask, are we better off today because we can read, because we can write? And I would say that most of us in the room this morning would say the answer to that question is yes, for the most part. But there might be a little caveat. There might be just one little drawback. In fact, the Greek philosopher Plato, who lived hundreds of years before Jesus, when writing was invented, okay, reading and writing, when that was an invention, believe it or not, he said this about it. He, he said these words. This invention, reading, writing, this invention will produce forgetfulness in the minds of those who learn to use it because they will not practice their memory. Their trust in writing produced, I love this here, produced by external characters which are not Part of themselves will discourage the use of their own memory within them. You have invented an elixir not of memory but of reminding. Plato said this, Greek philosopher. And as I read those words, I could see what Plato was getting at. I could see what he was talking about. Because not only do we have writings in books, now we have them in our digital devices, right? Even in our iPads, we have access to the all-knowing cloud in the sky, and we can access any sort of information in minutes, in seconds, right? And because of that, at times, we neglect to put things into our memory because we know that we don't have to. Now, sometimes as a culture... As a people, we recognize this reality, and there are certain things that we do put into our memory, into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, and we can recite them. I bet every one of you can, from memory, say the Pledge of Allegiance, right? July 4th is coming on Thursday. You'll probably hear it or say it or see an American flag. You remember maybe in grade school doing it every day. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? And to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. How many of you have that memorized? Yeah. We have it memorized. It's, in, it's an impression upon us. We have it in our minds. We've taken that first step. 
Now, whether we've let that seep into our hearts and into our identity is different. Those words, with liberty and justice for all. We pledge allegiance to that. Liberty and justice for all. Some of the greatest Americans have died fighting for liberty and justice for not only all Americans, but for all human beings. We think of many Americans serving in our armed forces, but we think of also Americans fighting here throughout our history for the rights of children, for the rights of women, the whole civil rights movement of every human being, liberty and justice for all. Because you see, memorizing good words, it's just the first step in really incorporating them into who we are, making them an impression on who we are. And I think that's something good for us to think about. Not just as citizens of the United States of America or immigrants to the United States of America, but as citizens of a greater country. St. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he said, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As citizens of heaven, what does it mean? What does it mean for us that we have the word of God? That we are stewards of God's communication to humanity? What does it mean that we hold in our hands a document that is far greater than the Constitution of the United States of America? You see, originally the word of God was passed down orally. And actually, oral cultures, they possess words and they own words more powerfully at times, you might say, than literate cultures do. I was sort of indicted by this as I was looking over at one of the bookshelves in my office. Here's a picture of it. I don't know if you can see that okay. But what do you see on there? Bibles. Right there in that little section of one shelf in my office is 25 Bibles. And I've got more Bibles in my office, and I've got more of them at home. I've got access to thousands of Bibles on my computer software program and on the Internet and all of that. And I was kind of thinking about this. It reminded me of uh, Kenneth Bailey. He's a scholar in the Middle East and a pastor and a missionary. He lived in the Middle East uh, most of his life. And he talked about how people in the Middle East, often in many of the cultures over there, they have retained this sort of oral culture. And it wasn't just like the learned elite to have 25 Bibles on their shelves. He told this story about a taxi driver. And this was a common place every day. He was taking a trip. Uh, take, the taxi was taking him to the airport in Jerusalem there. And he's talking to the taxi driver. The taxi driver apparently had the whole entire book of Psalms memorized. And he's quizzing him. Psalm 1. He recites it from memory. Psalm 100. Recites it from memory. Psalm 46. Recite it from memory, word for word, the entire book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, my friends. And Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Kenneth Bailey's talking about this taxi driver and his deep and profound faith and trust in God's word, not only in his mind, but in his heart. And he was impressed upon who he is. There's something about taking the word of God off of the shelf, placing it into our minds. That's the first step. That's the first step toward it being integrated and impressed into our hearts and into the very fabric of who we are and what we do and how we live our lives. And it's not just an academic exercise. Some of us, we sort of just say the Pledge of Allegiance, right? But we don't really think about it. It's kind of the words are just kind of flowing out. 
Sometimes that happens in the Lord's Prayer too, right? We just kind of say the words, but we're not really thinking about it. But I'm telling you, there have been so many times that I've been at the bedside of people who are about to claim that heavenly citizenship, who are about to meet their heavenly Father face to face, and we pray, and I'm praying, I'm reading the scripture, and all of a sudden someone who is totally unresponsive, maybe even comatose, I start to say the Lord's Prayer, and all of a sudden they start praying, and their lips start moving. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm telling you, it's not some rote memorization. It's a heartfelt cry to the Heavenly Father. Just last night, Saturday night service, one of the ladies after church told me the same thing happened with her husband. Eight years ago, he died. Right before he died, he, he said the Lord's Prayer and he went to meet his Heavenly Father. Our Old Testament lesson talks about it. Pastor Tim sort of mentioned it last week. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and following says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments, or perhaps a better translation, these words, these words that I give you today are to be up on a shelf. These words that I give you today are to be only on your minds for the memory test on Friday, students. No, he says, these words that I give you, I give you these words. These words today that I give you are to be on your hearts, on your hearts. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Verse 7 says, impress them. Impressions. Impress these words on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Impress them. Uh, We have a seal here at St. John's, and it makes literal impressions. It looks like this. You can see up on the screen. I got one here. I got it here. This is really old, kind of, it weighs like 20 pounds. It's really heavy. It's just, we don't even know how long we've had this thing for decades, right? Every baptism certificate, every confirmation certificate, all sorts of official documents are sealed with this. If you have a document from us, then probably you can look on it. There's a seal on it. And when you take this seal, you take it off the shelf, you put it on the table, you put the piece of paper into the press, and you hold down the lever. And you hold it for some time, and you put a lot of pressure into it over a period of time, and you put some work into it. You seal that paper. You make an impression. And the seal looks like this. Around the edges it says, St. John's Lutheran Church, Orange, California. But at the center of it is what? It's the cross. Impressed upon that paper forever. I just love that sort of image, that sort of metaphor. It's an image, a metaphor for our life in Christ, in God, in his word. Taking it off the shelf, into our minds, into our hearts, sealed upon us. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says this. You also were included in Christ, in his cross. Receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, the message that Jesus was born for you. He lived his life for you. He suffered on the cross for you. He rose from the grave for you. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father for you. He's coming again for you. 
You were included in that when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal. An impression. And talk about first impressions. That's pretty powerful. We have the seal of the cross. We are included in Christ. Impressed upon us forever. I love these words right here when it says, we have a, we have a lifetime of hearing that message of truth. We have a lifetime of believing it. Belief is not just like sort of one-time thing, right? Belief is really just a relationship of dependence and trust and faith like a newborn child has for their mama. Baby Easton was just born this past week, has, a little, has trust for mama from the beginning. And over time, that relationship will get stronger and the impression will go deeper and harder over time. Impression. A relationship takes time. A good relation takes time. Just like it takes this seal. You can't just pop the paper in here and kind of let the handle go down. You've got to put pressure. You've got to spend some time on it. You've got to put some strength into it. You've got to work it. And the harder you press and the longer you press it, the more profound the impression is. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's the invitation for us this morning. And I want to invite you that. To open your hearts more and more. To take the word off the shelf. Because there is a profound depth to God and his communication to us in his word. This past week, I met with one of our Bible study groups, the Lifelight group. And those people, man, they've studied the word for decade after decade. And it's so awesome just to be with them. Because the word, year after year, decade after decade, has seeped into us. And it made an impression so deep and so profound that you just sense it in the room. One of the verses that we were looking at together as God's people was the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Talk about an impression, a verse that's made an impression on the church, hopefully an impression on our hearts and our lives. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? All nations. Talk about liberty and justice for all. That's taking it to an entirely new level. Make disciples of all nations. Bring the message of Jesus Christ to all nations, every human being, all people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are powerful words. More powerful than the Constitution of the United States of America. They talk about a heavenly citizenship that actually informs our earthly citizenship, actually informs our fight for liberty and justice for all on an earthly level and on a heavenly one. Powerful words seeping into our minds and into our hearts. So think about it right now. What are some of the scriptures in your life? What are some of the words of God that have not only gone into your mind, but have gone into your heart and they're impressed upon your heart? And no matter what, they're never going to be taken away. Maybe for some of you it's John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Maybe it's Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. Maybe it's the great commandment to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it's Ephesians two, eight and nine, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. 
If you don't have any verses in your memory, in your heart, in your mind like that, I want to challenge you. That is your challenge for this week. To take the Bible off the shelf, to open up the app on your phone. Go to YouVersion. They've got a daily verse every day. It's awesome. Get some sort of verse. Memorize it. Put it into your mind, into your heart. Let it infiltrate your identity. Grab hold of some portion of Scripture. Even if it's just one verse. One verse that you can wrap your heart and your soul and your strength around. And for all you overachievers and all of you graduates from one, this morning, the five graduates, I'm expecting you to memorize the whole entire book of Psalms. Ta- taxi driver from uh, Jerusalem did it, so you can too. But speaking of the book of Psalms and, and hearing the word being impressed upon your heart, uh, this past year and kind of recently, actually, a dear member of St. John's uh, lost her husband too young and too soon. And I remember driving over there Tuesday night with the family. And in the rawest hours, the rawest hours of grief and pain and shock, in a dark valley, I was praying and reading some scriptures. And I opened up my pastoral care companion and I started to read Psalm 23, the King James Version. First few words, I said, the Lord is my shepherd. And before I finished that first verse, not just from memory but from the heart, from identity. Our dear friend in Christ, she confessed those words. She clinged to them. And what a powerful witness it was as she did. I started to read, and she started to confess. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside quiet waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And she, began, she, she continued and she said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Her husband had just died. And she's, complain, she's confessing these words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over and she said surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life tears coming down out of her eyes and she proclaims i will dwell in the house of the lord forever talk about in first impressions god's word was so impressed into her heart at one of the hardest and rawest most challenging darkest valleys of her life this word comes out And she was making an impression on me, on her family, on the grief counselors, on the coroner, on the sheriff. Powerful. That's what a good citizen looks like. A citizen of the heavenly kingdom. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What an impression. That is, and what an impression that can be.